everything can change. You can be a person that yesterday was a person you did not like, and you can choose today to be another person and to change. We have the inherent capacity as human beings to choose every moment of our life. This is your host, Doc Schrock, and this is Life Alive. Let's dip into the how and why healing stories can transform lives, including your own at a time in history when it matters most. It doesn't matter how you started in life, it matters how you restart today. It's that time to reawaken your hope, purpose, and passion, to heal, grow, and find your flow into a life that has meaning. Let's go. Napoleon Hill once said, any idea, plan, or purpose may be placed in the mind through repetition of thought. When one is truly ready for a thing, it puts in its appearance. Fears are nothing more than a state of mind. Man alone has the power to transform his thoughts into physical reality. Man alone can dream and make his dreams come true. Meet Priya Lash from Illuminescence Coaching. She offers one-to-one coaching, thinking into results group coaching, and mastermind programs. She grew up in Germany with an intense childhood, and she ended up even at one point being a French countess. And now she lives here and runs her coaching business from Lafayette, Colorado. Priya, in her own words, is more than a life coach. She takes individuals, businesses, and corporations through radical transformation. Her business is called Illuminescence which entails a very structured 24-week process that aims to permanently shift mindset. This particular program is called Thinking Into Results, and these methods have been working for people for over 150 years. This all started with a rich man and a poor man coming together for a meeting. Let's listen in closely as Priya reveals how to shift our mindset. Uh, I want to welcome Priya Lash to the show today, consultant and coach, and her name of her company is Luminescence. Welcome to the podcast, Priya. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. (laughs) I'm glad to see you today. So tell me a little bit, Priya, about you have a different name for your consultant and coach that we were just talking about. Um, Tell us a little bit more about what you call your coaching and why. So for me, the um, coaching and my offering in a way is uh, coaching and consulting, which is for radical personal transformation. It's more than just a life's coaching. It's really a coaching and consulting for individuals, businesses, and corporations. And what this entails is literally a 24-week, very structured um, process for radical transformation. And uh, what is different between what you call a coaching and this work is that it is a permanent change in the mindset that people acquire through that work. So it's a work that goes really deep um, where you're guided by me. I'm the coach and facilitator. I'm mentoring a program that has been proven for over 150 years who has been uh, by by all the uh, most successful people in the world coming down from Andrew Carnegie to Napoleon Hill over uh, Bob Proctor who is my personal mentor and who basically trained me in this process and in this method. So tell us a little bit about uh, the background of that so we can get some historical reference. Okay, sure. Yeah, so the background of this is that um, in the beginning of the, the 19th century, there were like people like Andrew Carnegie, who was the richest man in the world at that time. And uh, he realized like he had acquired all these riches coming from nowhere. And he was a very poor boy when he came from Scotland with his family. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he found himself being the richest man on the planet. And so he started wondering at one point what happened, what really happened, what makes people be successful versus 
other people that are in the same situation came on the same boat, had the same background and came from the same poverty and they never succeeded. Mm -hmm. And so he started being really interested in that. And, um, he was looking for somebody that was going to inquire with him. And on the other end, there was Napoleon Hill, who was a, a young reporter who has been struggling his whole life. And he was um, given the challenge to find uh, the richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie, and to interview him. So he went to see Andrew Carnegie and they sat down and what was a three hour interview became actually a three day interview. And at the end of the three days, when Andrew Carnegie uh, really looked at Napoleon Hill, he realized there was a man that could actually help him solve the challenge, which is to really go on, a, on an inquiry and to find out what makes people successful. What is the what is the principle or what are the laws of success and what's the principle behind it? And so <clears throat> after the three days, after this interview, he said, well, Napoleon Hill, so here's a question for you. Um, if I want to ask you, if you are up for a challenge, I'm looking for somebody that is doing a work for me for which you're not going to get paid for, for the next 20 years, but what, what is going to actually be a work that's going to help millions of people and trying to find out the laws of success. Mm. And so unbeknownst to him, Napoleon Hill, he didn't know that, um, Andrew Carnegie uh, gave him exactly 60 seconds to respond. And after 25 seconds, Napoleon Hill said, okay, I'll do it. And Napoleon Hill said when he, he explains after, afterward in, in, a, in an interview, he said at that moment, his mind was racing and the first thing that came up was total unworthiness. Why would I be able to do that? Why is he asking me? This is the richest man. I'm totally poor. I'm a guy. He doesn't know anything. And then he said inside of him, there was this voice saying he would never do something that is not in your benefit. So he basically said yes. And the moment he said yes, he said, what did I just say yes to? And that was what in essence was his life's calling. So the next 25 years, Napoleon Hill spent his time interviewing more 500 of the most uh, successful and richest people on the planet and asking them how they became rich. And out of his inquiry came the book, um, The 13 Principles of Success. And then uh, afterwards, Think and Grow Rich, which is the book which is basically the basis for this coaching. Napoleon Hill then worked with um, Earl Nightingale, who worked very closely with him and recorded the book. And Earl Nightingale worked with Bob Proctor, who is my mentor, who is now 84 years old, and who is teaching and coaching that all over the world. Um, I'm interested to, to, for you to continue on a little bit more about your mentor, Bob Proctor, and what you, what the work, why you were inspired to get into the work you do? So um, for me personally, I've been on a journey of self-discovery, I think my whole life. Um, and when uh, um, I would say I have consciously been on a journey of self-discovery more through the spiritual side for the last 20 years, I've lived in an ashram, I've been a nun, I've been traveling the world, I've been doing humanitarian work, and uh, I've done a lot of internal spiritual work and personal development. What I never found before was how to integrate the whole spiritual side with the very practical, physical, financial, and business side. And I've had this amazing vision um, that came to me over seven years ago basically um, of this this work this company right illuminescence and at the time it seemed so huge i said okay this is a platform for conscious evolution and then all these visions came to me everything i wanted to do and how i could participate in what I call the conscious evolution of humanity to bring people to the higher consciousness, to their inherent greatness. And first of all, I had to do it myself. So my journey has been really a journey of self-discovery through all the different processes. And I worked with every single coach I could find. I did the programs and I was just thinking everything. I had a toolbox that was like huge. And none of this really stuck with me. I, I did it and after three, four months, it was like, okay, 
that's great. And, and, and what do I do with this now? And what do I do with this? So when I came across the work of Bob Proctor, I realized that it resonated with most everything I had been doing. And one of the things that resonated the most with me was the work with the law of vibration. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction, and I found it fascinating and it really shifted something, but it wasn't a permanent shift. Um, I started uh, looking into the Bob Proctor after I came across of one of the consultants. And when I became friends with her and I saw the radical transformation in her life, I said, well, if she can do it and other people can do it, and there's people that have been living in a car that did the work and they became like millionaires. There's people that have been abused that have come from backgrounds that you wouldn't even imagine are possible to even recover. And they recovered and not only recovered with that work, but they started thriving and they shifted and they shifted so radically that after I saw that, I said, you know what, this is possible. And this is the part that I've never seen a permanent shift. And that's why I got into the work. And when I started doing the work myself and going through the training program, I started realizing the permanent shift that was happening in my life and how everything in my world was suddenly shifting. The mm. relationships, the finances, the, the opportunities, the people that were attracted to me, the people that I was calling in. And I saw how the work that was a spiritual work because it's the work with the laws of the universe and our inherent greatness was aligning with the physical side, which is building my business, becoming successful, getting clients, going out, traveling, and doing what I always thought doing. I realized I can do this vision that I've seen before. And that's when, for me, everything shifted and I decided that I wanted to become a a coach and consultant and bring that out into the world to help others to really see and feel their inherent greatness and really bring it about. What was going on? What were some of the challenges? Um, Tell us a little bit about your background of what these barriers were or some of the life-turning events that were challenges to you um, shifting from what what your vision was to the actual physical material reality of financial, uh, social, communal, all these different things that we we deal with on a day-to-day basis. What were some of those challenges? So um, I would say I, I had a pretty intense life in general. So I grew up in Germany and my family is, uh, uh, was, I would say, um, it was a very, my parents were both born in the Second World War and they, they raised us with a mentality of a very strong victimhood, a very uh, big mentality of lack, um, a mentality of very strict adherence to the principles that you have to uh, basically go through. Life is hard and you can't really succeed in anything other than when you work really, really hard. And so that background really um, left me with the impression that, well, there's a lot of unworthiness. And I think that is something that's inherent in a lot of people, a lot of women also, um, especially when our mothers haven't worked or haven't really been uh, a role model for us that we wanted to look up to. And so I, uh, I went through life and I stumbled into all kinds of things. And I, I went from, uh, you know, my childhood in Germany being a punk to going to France, um, just shifting my life completely marrying uh, into the French aristocracy, um, being married for 10 years to uh, become a French countess. And then I decided, uh, or I saw that was not it. And that mask that I was putting on was not what my life was about. Mm. So I left again and I left with nothing. I started uh, to look for my purpose in life. And then I thought, well, my purpose is being a mother and having children. And that was something that was really a very strong desire for me and that didn't come about. And it was very challenging to see that I was uh, 35. I could not get pregnant. I didn't have uh, the, the, the chance actually to be the mother. I always wanted six children. That never happened. And then I found myself finally getting pregnant 
and thinking this is it, you know, this is really what I always wanted. And my son um, passed at birth. And that was for me my first spiritual awakening. The moment that he passed, I went into a complete different state. And that state was so radically different from anything that I had ever experienced. It was going from this absolute pain into this state of absolute bliss and oneness with this baby that had just passed. And I got this whole download from spirit and I communed with spirit and I got all these messages, what my life was going to be and what I was here to do. And when that passed and that passed after an hour, an hour and a half, I snapped out of it and I really thought I had gone crazy. The first thought I had never even heard about what a spiritual awakening experience was so I came out of this and I was like I, I think I've gone crazy I have no idea what to do with this so I went home and I just wrote down everything that I heard and I couldn't understand most of it but from that point on there was this desire to find out and so I left Paris and my champagne life how I called it my career and everything and I went to a, an ashram in India. I went on a quest actually to serve and to find God because for me, God was outside of me, right? Mm. And that was the beginning of my spiritual path. And you talk about a challenge. It was also for me the greatest opportunity um, in a way to really change my life radically and to discover what this life was about. Um, when I was in India, I did humanitarian work and I went into a lot of places, a lot of places where women and children were severely abused, mutilated. Um, and it gave me such a strong desire to serve, to help, to do something that when I came back, I, I, I had this desire to really do something. And I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew it had to do with the evolution of, of the conscious mind or the conscious evolution of humanity. So that challenge was uh, bringing me to the next phase where then I became a mother. I divorced. Um, I was a single mother. My former partner had extreme challenges and went out one day and did a suicide attempt uh, from which he basically... Um, ended up uh, as a homeless person in a car for years. And again, there was this guilt and shame and there was this, I couldn't do anything and what could I have done? And um, that feeling of not finding what I was really made for and not being able to help people and not being able to find my own soul's calling, although I knew it was somewhere inside of me, that guided me into another relationship um, and to another way of seeing where I didn't really choose. I was basically following a program and a pattern that was running me since I was a child. Mm. And it, it brought me to being on food stamps five years ago, on living in someone else's basement, uh, getting sick, uh, not being able to work for a while. And when I really was at that point i remember that there was this one night where i had one of these panic attacks you know god that can't be it that can't be it there must be something greater there must be something that i'm here for i know it inside of me but i can't touch on it i you help me i give you everything take this life take everything and that was when I went to bed that night and I got this whole download of Illuminescence. I got this whole download of what I was here to do and what I could actually accomplish. And it seemed so huge. And at the same time, it gave me something to get out of bed in the mornings and to say, okay, I'm just going to start somewhere, somewhere. And that led me to more inquiry, more self-discovery. And that led me to the law of attraction. And that led me to Bob Proctor. And, you know, there's a saying which says, when you're ready, the teacher will appear. And I had a lot of teachers, good teachers, spiritual teachers and teachers that showed me what worked and what didn't work for me. And I think that was really for me where the challenge is the opposite side of opportunity. You know, we, we always see the opposites, but in, in essence, it is the same. 
you know, every challenge is an opportunity. And that's how I basically arrived to doing what I do now, which is for me, the amazing opportunity to realize what I always knew was my inherent greatness inside. And it's a journey. It really is a journey. That's a, it's a life's calling. And um, yeah, well, we talked about life's calling just before that. And uh, it's, uh, that's really the soul that's, that's calling. And for me, the difference between a motivation and a life's calling is the motivation can be like money or a relationship or something. But when we attain that, that's gone. Okay, well, that was great. Now what? Because it's something outside of us. Whereas a life's calling, a life's purpose is really, there's this pulling and my soul is really like, yes, there is no end to this. The, there is, it's a higher, it's really like a higher purpose, a complete transformation of my whole being to serve and to always become greater. And that never stops because there can always be more. I can always become more and do more and be more. And that's a never ending journey. And that's really what I feel this calling is about to become the highest version of my greatest vision of myself, you know, and, and inspire others to do the same. And that's why I do what I do. So let's bring this into a practical sense. How would, how do you go to Walmart and practice your life's calling? Is that something that you're just, it's a, it's a part of you. You said like radical transformation. So I'm, you know, taking from that, like it's a, it's like a actual change in you that you practice and behave differently and you, you think differently. So how do you, how does that play in one's life to find a calling and to use it even at Walmart or at the gas station or, um, you know, calling, calling to pay their bills? <laughs> how, how does one start to start to see their life's calling in everything they do. Yeah. So I love your question because in a way it's not, um, it's especially then. It's like I can be really great meditating and thinking my life's calling is awesome and have all these visions. But if I'm not able to go out and live that every single day, then it's a fantasy and it's not a reality. So that's the big difference. Um, the way to live this, and this is where I love the, the work that I do, is that the first thing I do with people and the first thing that I did with myself is to understand the mind. 5% of the mind is conscious. 95% is subconscious. What runs us is the 95% because that's the programming. But that's also the greatest opportunity because that's the part that, that is actually the living part of the infinite mind of the universe because we are energy and our mind is tapped into that energy so what we think we become what we think about so what do i think about the transformation is really to think and see the truth and the truth is in everyone and in everything that everybody is the highest version of themselves classed in a personality that might have forgotten that run by a subconscious that is a programming that was installed by our upbringing, our parents, our society, everywhere we went. So for me, when you ask me how, I, how, how that affects my everyday life, my everyday life is to choose to see the truth, to see the truth in myself and to see the truth in others. The truth is I become what I think about. So the first thing is what do I want to think about? Do I want to give any energy to negative things and to fear or do I want to give all my energy to seeing within myself and others the greatness and the best and knowing, well, if somebody is basically appearing in my life, showing me something that I don't like, it's a thought in myself. It's a reflection of who I am. And it's also a reflection of what society has been teaching us. It's because we have forgotten that we inherently are good. Every person has goodness inside. Every person is basically the spirit alive in a human flesh. And when I can see that in myself and I can see that in everybody else, then the teaching really becomes 
an action step where I go out and see that. I'm not saying I'm perfect. There are days where I still feel like, oh my God, do I really have to deal with this? Is this really, is this really happening right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's also the journey. That's the journey. You know, we, we forget that even though we have all this knowledge inside of us, we're still human. We live in a human body. This body has cells and the cells have been programmed for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long, into a pattern. And we can want as much as we want to be in that state all the time. There are moments where things come up. There are moments where we are faced with something that still touches parts of us that are not yet entirely transformed, that are still being in the process of being transformed. And that's also the beauty of the journey. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us connect with one another, right? I can see you and I can feel the pain without having to go into it because I have this pain or I've had this pain. That's where the connection comes in, the authenticity what would you do with somebody who was so perfect and so amazing in everyday life that you can't even relate to that person? That's not, that's not human. That's like, we are, okay, we are perfect. So what? That's the, that's the perfection, which is inherent in all of us that we are coming from and going back to. Now we came into this flesh, right? Into this body. And in this body, we are challenged. We are challenged by the family, the environment, the, the work we do, the people around us, by ourselves, by our belief systems. The way to work with it is to see it, to bring it to the surface. And then when we can touch the subconscious mind, which is the real deep work and which comes as, an, as a permanent change when we really retransform and reprogram the subconscious mind, then we can go out. Enlightenment, although this word is something that I'm not necessarily resonating with, but I would say awakening is to catch ourselves faster, meaning to see what is there, to feel it, to accept it entirely that that is there, and to move on, to not get stuck in it, to not dwell on it, to not blame anybody else for it, but to just move on and say, okay, it happened. That wasn't great. Well, we, had, we don't have to do that again. And then that turns, every challenge turns into an opportunity. Mm. So whatever life offers me, I take it as an opportunity. And it can be very challenging being a single mom, starting a business that I see becoming really amazing and big and attracting people that are amazingly I don't know, inspiring beings for me. You know, I mean, I'm mentored directly by Bob Proctor and by the, the people from his team. And I can see how these people have integrated that teaching. And the teaching in itself is basically a realization of our inherent oneness with the infinite mind and our inherent oneness with everything. And that's the secret in everything. So when I go out and see that, I can see you in your humanity and also in your greatness, I see both in it. And I see myself in my greatness and in my humanity. And then I can come together and have a relationship with that. Mm. So you talk a lot about integration and how you had done a lot of things in the past and it didn't seem to quite translate or you were having trouble integrating. So what is it when you finally uncover these things and bring to the surface? So I'll call that uncovering. You know, you just like maybe you throw a blanket over the the crap in your life or, you know, throw it in the trunk or something. (laughs) And let's say we uncover all that and then we start to discover tools. How, what does that look like when you take someone through showing them how to integrate? Well, parts of it is I show them and then they have to do the work themselves Mm. so i think the first step to uncovering anything is to become what i call it radically honest with ourselves and that is really radically honest and that honesty brings me and brings everybody to the authentic self that is there there is a lot of things that i think we have been um covering up for a very long time because society allows us to cover it up or because we get away with it or 
we don't really want to look at it. Um, when you talk about uncovering, the uncovering is really just looking at where I am today. Where am I today? What am I doing today? What works and what doesn't work? Generally, everybody has an integrated navigator and that navigator tells him if he's on or if he's off. The on is, I feel good. I really feel good. Not because I just hurt somebody or I ripped them off, but I really feel good when I look in the mirror. And we all have that. That is the authentic true self that teaches us basically where our heart is, where the love is located, right? And that is the, that is the, the compass and the guide that helps us to uncover anything that is not there yet. And I say yet because everything can change. You can be a person that yesterday was a person you did not like, and you can choose today to be another person and to change. We have the inherent capacity as human beings to choose every moment of our life again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And that's the greatest gift that we have to really choose again and say, it didn't feel good. It didn't make me feel good. It didn't make the other person feel good. So if you uncover that, if I uncover that, and I become radically honest with myself where I have been off, I can then do the commitment and dedication to be on more and more. And the work that really happens is when people uncover their subconscious behaviors and thought patterns, which are not necessarily what they put in there, but what have they have been programmed to do because it's a programming, right? Um, so just right there, real mm -hmm. quick, I want to dig a little bit back. You, to give a real-life example of your life, you had talked about you learned a, a, a mindset, a, a sort of an undeserving mindset or a victimhood mindset. Is that a common mindset that people, that, that's a program? Yeah. When I work with them, the first thing we work on is the self-confidence, the self-worth. And we find out where the self-worth is located. And there is different levels of self-worth because we have two personalities. There is the personality you show on the outside, right? Hello, this is me. And then there is the personality of what do you feel really on in the inside when you look in the evenings in the mirror and you see really the person that is there. And that is where the self-worth is located. Where is the discrepancy between what you show on the outside and what is really happening in the inside? The self-worth is a big piece, which is part of why people's mindset is not a mindset of success. Because when you still feel undeserving and unworthy, and a lot of people actually feel undeserving and un unworthy because they got something in their childhood and it can be a minimal trauma that the parents don't even realize like i give you a real life example my father was somebody who grew up in a very violent family and when he um when he had us he decided he does not want to transmit that violence for him it was like i don't want this and because he had that in him but he wanted to not beat his kids up like he was his way of doing was to lock me in my room and to say, you're not part of the family. That was his way of, I'm not beating you up, so it's way better what I do with you because you don't get that physical abuse. Mm -hmm. What that did to me was a complete, a completely different, the way that hit me was like, oh my God, I am not part of, I'm not even part of the people that I love the most of that family, which is this belonging so you talk about a pattern of unworthiness that plays out or that played out through my whole life. And once I really could uncover that, you talk about a real uncovering and getting honest, which was painful. I'm not saying this is a journey for the faint of heart to really reprogram yourself. But once I really saw it, I, I really could realize it was a thought in my mind that from that word that my father said, echoed in me as I am unworthy. That doesn't mean I am unworthy. It just means that that little child at that moment heard that, felt that, and programmed that into her subconscious mind. And that was running a lot of my life. And once I had uncovered that, I could reprogram that. And the way to do it is just was the exact opposite. And then there is a method to it 
where through repetition you go through a certain amount of positive affirmations, but it's more than affirmations. It's like thoughts, feelings, and actions that you do daily. And you really reprogram your mind the way you want to be. And then realizing that our, I would say the, the unworthiness is something that you can see everywhere in life. I mean, most people have a victimhood pattern and that victimhood pattern comes back to unworthiness because if people would feel, if they would have confidence and feel worthy, they wouldn't take what other people say as truth. But because as children, we don't have that discernment, we just repeat that pattern as adults until at one point, most people come to the point where they realize either I have to change it or I'm going to continue it and I'm going to numb it out which makes for great alcoholics and whatever other addicts, right? And I think we've all been there to a certain degree to not want to feel it. And the work is really to feel it and acknowledge it, but to not dwell on it and to reprogram it. And that's where true freedom resides because when I can choose my thoughts and I don't have to continue the thoughts that have been programmed into my mind, that's when the real freedom happens. Mm. So you're talking not about just getting relief from a negative thought, but true freedom. What would you define as freedom? I think freedom, well, I think you can, everybody can define freedom in a different way, but freedom for me is to be able to think, feel, and act in the way that I choose to and to live the life that I want to choose because our thoughts create our feelings our feelings reinforce the thoughts and then we act on them. And because we are energy and the universe is energy, well, guess what that vibration attracts to us? It attracts exactly what we put out. Mm -hmm. Now, when I reprogram my mind into a mindset of success, to a mindset of worthiness, to a mindset of love, to a mindset of gratitude, guess what I'm attracting into my life? the people that have the same vibration, the circumstances, the environment with the same vibration. And then my life changes. And I'm like, this is a miracle. It's a miracle because you have a permanent change in your mind. And that mindset that you acquire, the new mindset, changes your vibration and brings to you exactly the life you want. And you become the creator, the conscious creator of your life. And that's what conscious evolution really means to me, that everybody becomes free of something they don't want to be anymore and becomes the greatness and the person they really choose to be. Mm -hmm. And that goes again with the laws of the universe. You know, what you put out comes back to you. So what do you want to put out? Well, you have to know who you are in order to know what you attract. I mean, your results show the life you live. Your results show where your mind is programmed. And that's a fact. That's not me saying this. It's a fact. And then when you change your mindset, your results change. And suddenly your life changes. And that week changes into a new month. And that new month comes as a new year. And suddenly your whole life is different. Mm -hmm. And it's a gradual, it's really a gradual process. But at the same time, it's such a beautiful journey. And that would, that's what freedom is for me. When it goes from struggle and suffering to grace and ease. That is where the freedom really resides. Yeah. So you're here now doing this work. Um, what, how, do you, how do you practice this in a time of grief, loss of your son? If someone's going through something like that, you know, saying to that person, you chose this. It's like, well, that's not necessarily true, but you choose how you respond and how you grieve. So what, what would you say to someone that is in an area of their life where they're very much in the shadow or in, their, in the grief? Is there some way that they can gently teach themselves to process that? There is definitely a way. And um, thank you for asking that because that is, again, that is to come back to the truth of who we are. The first thing I would, the first thing I do when I work with people that are going through a hard time is to really remind them that it's okay to grieve and it's okay to feel what they're feeling. And then also to see the bigger picture. 
The bigger picture is none of us deserves that anything bad comes to us. That's the first thing to realize because on a spiritual path, and I know that when my son died, people were like, well, that must be your karma. I mean, you can't say anything more cruel to a person mm -hmm. that just went through a huge loss, right? It is not karma. And if you look at what karma really means, it's a thought pattern. Yes, we become what we think about and life happens. So what you say is very true. The way we react to things is the way we can actually change our life and our thinking. So to, to, go, to go into, um, into a really state of grief and to be able to sit there, to see it as what it is, and then to come out of it and say, what is the teaching here? What is, this, what is the opportunity for me to learn from this and to grow from this? Because this is a journey of growth. Life is a whole journey of growth. And we all get pain. There is pain on, on different levels. This is not a competition. What is pain for someone is not pain for another person. But the grief is really just an emotion. And when you come to this emotion and feel, what does this emotion really translate? And how can you help somebody with love and care to actually shift their mindset from a suffering mindset to an acceptance of what is and then to the learning of what comes of that to how can I grow from this and how can this be something that can actually transform my life so that I can help others who are in the same situation coming out of this. Then from a victim state of this happens to me, you can go or I would say I went from the victim state of, oh my God, that happened to me. I was punished. I deserved this to that was an amazing teaching. And how can I transform that teaching into the pearl of wisdom in my life? So today when people come to me, I can actually help them when they're in a period of grief. Mm. So there's and always the pearl of wisdom in there. Yeah. Well, I know that you're a mom now and, mm -hmm. you know, looking at the other side of that, you've, you've been gifted that opportunity to be a mom, you know, and that's just a blessing as well. And so, um, uh, yeah, Tara is very sweet. <laughs> um, so, um, going on this path, I like this path, Ron, because we talked about uncovering and we talked about, uh, discovering and how to, to, uh, shift, um, or use our thoughts, feelings, and actions. Instead, of, I like how you distinguish between just saying a positive affirmation, like, all I need is within me now. And I can say that all I want, but you're saying that there's, there's something else to it. You're, you're aligning with some law there. What law is putting the thought, feeling, and action together? Is there a universal law behind that that we can use yeah. to our, our, for our own life? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Let's, let's start with like on a scientific level, this whole universe is governed by law, right? It's not chaos. There is the laws of the universe that work in certain ways. Let's take, for example, the law of laws, they call it the law of cause and effect, right? What you put out comes back. If you go with that law, you can see that whatever you put out is coming back because we are energy and the universe is energy, everything is vibration. So whatever I think is a vibration that I put out in the universe, the universal substance, and that's a scientific fact, is the most subtle substance that exists. Every thought, every word, every action we put out is, turns into a form and manifests in the world. So I can tell you who comes into my life according to the thoughts I have. And that is not a woo-woo thing, not something that I made up. That is universal law. The law states what you put out comes back. And every philosophy and every religion always says, you become what you think about. Now, why is that? Because everything we think about, we have a power that's coming, that's flowing to and through us, right? Mm -hmm. That power comes as an idea. It becomes an idea or a thought. That thought creates a feeling, and that feeling translates in the body into an action. 
So our whole being has a frequency and that frequency aligns with the frequency of everybody and everything around us. If I'm in a good space, my frequency will align with the frequency of somebody who's in a good space. And suddenly I meet all these people that are attracted to me, that I, I meet them and I'm like, this is amazing. Today was a great day. There's only angels around me, right? Mm -hmm. Now turn that around. People that are in a state of victimhood or when I'm not in a good space, I can tell you my life is not going to turn out that well that mm -hmm. day. You know, you have somebody who cuts you off, you know, you, you're, you need something, you can't find the spot, you know, you, there is chaos in the mind and chaos produces chaos outside. Order produces order outside. Love inside produces love outside. So when we talk about the laws of the universe and aligning ourselves with these laws, it's a scientific law that basically translates every thought, every feeling and every action we have into our life. We become literally what we think about because we attract all the circumstances and the environment that we live in. And that's according to our frequency. If somebody thinks they're lacking and they're poor and they always have to make sure they're hoarding their money, they're not generous, well, the universe hears the same thing. They're like, yeah, there's no generosity. Of course, I'm going to show you that there's no generosity. So we create basically with our thoughts the life. You have to imagine the universe as this big universal buffet, right? And you are the one ordering. So whatever you think, is the order you put out in the universe. You're like, oh my God, I am so blessed. And the universe hears, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. Well, the blessings are going to pour in. You say, oh my God, my life is such a mess. And the universe hears, my life is such a mess. My life is such a mess. Guess what you're attracting to you, to your life? Such mm -hmm. a mess, right? Mm -hmm. So people are very unconscious with their thoughts and feelings sometimes, and especially with their words. And I was the same un until I really realized when people say like, oh my God, like this is killing me. I said, don't say that. What are you, what are you really saying? You know, it's not. It's like, it's such a subtle difference when we change our thoughts to a frequency of gratitude and, and, and we're more mindful with what we say and what we think and how we show up for other people. And going back to the grief that you were talking about, the grief and the hardship and everything that comes to us, it's part of life. And then we have a choice how much we want to dwell on it mm. because the dwelling makes people a victim or the dwelling actually brings us to the point where we attract the same energy. So we have a choice to choose differently at every moment. Mm. What's on the other side of scary? If, some, if you do something that's scary, what's this, one of the scariest things you've ever done? And like using that example of there's challenge, but there's also opportunity. So obviously in this work, you said it's not for the faint of heart. It can be scary at times. Mm -hmm. And so what's on the other side of that scary and that fear? It's the freedom. For me, it's the absolute freedom of really being able to be the master of my own destiny. Yeah. Because once you know how you can work with the laws of the universe, you can master your destiny. And you really align with the goodness. And the universe is a benevolent universe. So aligning with that is aligning with all the goodness of the universe. That's an amazing freedom to have. Mm. Outside of coaching, what is your what are you most proud of? My daughter, for sure. She mm. is really like my, she's amazing. She's my inspiration. Um, I would say... Starting this, starting this business and really going for my life's purpose is what, what is one of my greatest achievements. And you were talking about um, challenges and opportunities, right? I had a very safe and secure job uh, in, a, in a company. It was a conscious company. And I chose that I wanted to do what really was my life's calling. So that was a big jump. And the moment I was jumping, it was the scariest thing because it involved everything, putting everything in there on every level. It was every resource I had and I didn't have and I had to ask for. And at the same time, it was this really big pool of jumping. The moment you jump to just say, I have to let go and trust. 
And then the opportunities appear. And again, what do I jump into? I jump into this enormous void, which, has an, which is the void of infinite potentials. And so if I think positive, I'm jumping into infinite potential of positivity. If I'm scared, guess what I'm jumping into, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to be my own best student at that point and say, like, I'm doing this. And it's been amazing. It's an amazing journey. But it always goes together. You know, we see, we see an opposite in everything. And at the same time, it's one. It's the same. There's always the grace behind it. And I, I feel like I would like to go skydiving one day. And I haven't done it yet. But that's one of those things where I'm like, wow, what do you feel when you jump? You know, I know that what it feels jumping in, in the void for something, but really literally jumping in the void. So maybe in another podcast, we'll talk about that when I have jumped. But yeah, for yeah, sure. Well, I, I would love to have you back after you jump. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today and being so vulnerable in your story. I know that there are listeners out there that are going to say, that's me. I went through that. And that, mm -hmm. that might be you know, your share may be the moment where they're like, oh, that's just a program. Wow, I can change that. So it's mm -hmm. people like you that give them a key they like know there's a door there, but they think it's forever shut in their life. And it's just simply not unless we think and choose that. So thank you for being a key that unlocks that door to infinite possibility, Kriya. And uh, I can't wait to have you on next time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. It was such a pleasure to be here. And the only thing I want to leave people with is like, if I can do it, you can do it. It's mm. available to everyone. I look forward to more. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, where can people find you? I have a website. It's www.illuminescence.org. Okay. And um, if they Google me under Priya Bayat Lash, they will find me on Facebook. I also have a Facebook group that is called Becoming Unlimited, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. So if ever you feel like you would like to get in touch with me, please reach out. Um, I'm happy to do discovery calls for anybody who is interested in this work. And it's a life-transforming work. And I encourage everybody to just look and say, yes, I see the greatness within me. Now I'm going to bring this out in the world. We need each and every one of you. <laughs> yes, we do. We're all connected. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you so much, Priya. You're have so a great welcome. weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. All right, peace. By listening to this interview, you have increased your awareness, worked on your life by really listening, and you are going back into the world a more conscious and clear thinking person, and you deserve it. I hope that Priya brought you lots of good listening skills, actionable tips, and value to your life to heal, grow, and find your flow into a meaningful life.